Hi, this is Sterling Gates. You're listening to Supergirl Radio. Adventures of Supergirl Radio, your source for the adventures of Supergirl Digital Comic. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of Adventures of Supergirl Radio, we are joined by the writer of the digital comic himself, Mr. Sterling Gates. Welcome, hey. welcome back to Supergirl Radio. Thanks so much for talking with us today. Thanks for having me. How's it going? It's good. It's good. We really enjoyed Adventures of Supergirl. I don't know if I, you could tell. I heard. We I did. Listened, I listened mm-hmm. to your show. Yes. Yeah, so, so thank you for listening and helping us understand, you know, understand certain things that we may or may not have missed. Although, speaking of someone who caught a lot of things that you're doing um carly unfortunately was not able to join us for this sit down wrap up of of adventures of supergirl but she predicted a lot of things she did that (laughs) successfully mostly successfully some unsuccessfully so yeah i I don't know there was some speculation on whether or not she was living inside your brain um i don't know (laughs) i don't know if we've had some sort of scan to prove that you think it was like being john malkovich like she's actually like crawling into a thing into my brain is that that's that's what i'm i'm imagining now that seems plausible right (laughs) sure (laughs) well and and since Uh, oh sorry go ahead well i was just gonna say and and we miss you carly if you're listening Yes, yes. Always missing anybody who can't join us, and uh, especially for this one, because I know Carly was a little bummed she couldn't make it. Have um, you talked to her about the fact that her last name is is Lane, like Lois Lane? Have you like have you had that conversation? <laughs> I made a really silly pun the first time Carly was ever on Supergirl Radio when she was a guest, when Teresa couldn't make it for uh, the discussion of fight or flight. And I think I made a little uh, corny pun about how she was not related to Lucy Lane. Um, and so I, I feel like maybe we could have more of that conversation, but we have not. Okay. I just wanted to put that out there because I, from the episodes that I'd heard, and I didn't listen to that one, I'm sorry to say, uh, no one had pointed out the obvious that, that she's doing investigative uh, work into Supergirl on on this here show and no one <laughs> no one was pointing out that her last name was Lane. Well, maybe the Lane family needs a new member in the comic world. Yeah, like and a cousin. A yeah, like cousin. a yeah, like a cousin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And her name <laughs> could out be of town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some mysterious new stranger comes in. Um yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if we know anybody who can make that happen, but just throwing it out <laughs> I, there. I certainly don't. So <laughs> Well, um, since Carly couldn't be here, she gave us a question that she wanted to ask, and she was wondering how long did it take for you to come up with the storyline for Adventures of Supergirl once you were asked to write it? Uh, There's going to be a long pause here where I have to actually think. (laughs) 
once we, I, I had a meeting with, uh, I had a meeting with DC editorial and Andrew, um, I want to say in September and I turned in my actual like pitch document a couple weeks later. So not long, I, like in that meeting, I knew what I wanted to do. It was an issue of what villains are we, what villains would we be allowed to use? Uh, because DC has a list and, and you know, like each, each show gets different villains, right? Like, like Arrow uses Green Arrow villains and Flash uses Flash villains and Supergirl. Supergirl uses sort of an amalgamation of Supergirl rogues and Superman rogues. So I knew there was a hard list of who you could use or couldn't use. Um, and so in that meeting, I a lot of that meeting was just asking questions like, what about this person? What about this person? Like, can we use the gang? What about Ms. Mesmer? Like, just throwing names out. And, and like, obviously the big question, I mean, you want a big villain. And so I said, well, what about Brainiac? And like, everyone looked around the room and they're like, we're not allowed to use Brainiac for other reasons. Oh. I said, okay, but what about Brainiac 2? <laughs> <laughs> Going down the list. Uh, and they said, sure, Vrile Docs, go for it. Um, and, and then Andrew was like, I really like Vrile Docs, like get him in there. And then, I mean, it would have been a couple weeks before I sent them a pitch doc and then, um, and that pitch doc, I actually dug it out because uh, I wanted to see how close we were to to the pitch uh, versus what actually made it to to, to issue or whatever. Um, and it's it's fairly close. I, I did I dropped one subplot that we were going to do where uh, facet. Uh, I can read this out loud to you. Like using an omega level computer virus, facet got from docs to take over the DEO computers and threaten to expose the DEO to the world. Oh. Ooh. Uh, Kara has to race around protecting DEO agents as Facet strikes at Kara, storming her home and destroying it. At the same time, James Olsen discovers a bomb inside Catco. Attack from all sides. Supergirl races to put off the various fires. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, using the help of the DEO and the alien Psy, Supergirl tracks down Facet and keeps her from killing Alex. Um, everyone is saved. Uh, blah, 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 blah. So, I, I mean, it, like, aside from that, everything I wrote in this pitch doc is more or less the same. Like, swatting, rampage, power with control, like, uh, facet. Psy gives her the, the name of facet, and then she goes to investigate in uh, issues eight and nine. I mean, it, it, it's... And, that, and this doc is dated 10-13. So, a couple weeks from from the initial meeting meeting... Uh, but I mean, they, they'd asked me to do it. They'd asked me to do it at far enough advance. I had an idea I was going to do it at Comic-Con and then I, I, I hadn't seen the pilot or the first couple episodes. So I had to do that. And then, uh, that meeting was September. So, so a couple weeks. Well, I'm certainly very impressed with that quick turnaround because I wouldn't be able to do that. But uh, for some, for these new characters that you brought in, like Facet or Rabia, were those characters already kind of percolating in your brain, or were they characters you had to come up with when you were writing the story? Um, Facet was. Oh gosh! Again, this is going to be a long pause as I try to, and this is a year ago. Um, Facet came about because I wanted a new Supergirl villain. Like I wanted to create a brand new Supergirl villain and I wanted it to be someone tied into Fort Ross because I had only seen the first few episodes. It seemed like Fort Ross was an important enough place to, to, 
have more threats spring out of, but I didn't want to do just another villain, like just another criminal. Like I wanted to do someone who stood for the establishment and had ties to Allura, which gave us a lot more drama and, and had ties to Supergirl in Supergirl's new role as DEO enforcer or whatever, um, or agent, whatever the, whatever her actual title is on the show. <laughs> Facet sort of crystallized, no pun intended. Once I figured out, <laughs> once I figured out I didn't want to do a villain and I thought it would be a neat twist of what if it's a guard? And then I was like, well, if it's just a guard, that's not a big, that's not great. Like what if it's the head of guards? What if it's not the warden, but what if it's someone who, do you, have you seen Shawshank Redemption? Do you know that movie? Yes. Um, it's been a while, but yes. Cl- Clancy Brown's character in Shawshank Redemption. Like what if it was someone like that who the warden sends in to do all the dirty work and is the head of guards? So that's where Facet came from. And then I knew I wanted someone who could challenge Supergirl physically, so she had to be super strong. And I wanted someone who spoke to the metaphor of attacking Supergirl in each place in her life and and each facet of her life. Oh. No, mm. <laughs> no don't. No, that's not that big a reveal. Um, <laughs> no, but, no I, but I like that. To think I mean, about I thought that was like... fairly clever, and uh, that was where Facet came from. Um, Rabia was, I needed a hacker that wasn't win. Like I needed someone who wasn't win. And, you know, when, when you create new characters, the goal of, uh, of our job as the, uh, the goal of us, um, a, how do I say this? Our goal as writers is to create characters who accurately f- reflect the world around us. And so I thought creating Rabia would add to the world of the, the show um, rather than just be like, I mean, it, it, you could have just as easily made him like Wynn's best friend from college who now is a super hacker or whatever. But like I wanted it to be someone Wynn knew from the internet uh, and someone whose existence spoke to the greater world, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. And I, I think we talked about it, uh, Morgan. I don't know if you can correct me on this because my memory is terrible. <laughs> but, like, I think we we all really enjoyed that character. And I think she would be really fun to see on the show and show up in that world. So I, I hope we get to see more of her in the future. Yeah, if, me too. Uh, if there are more Adventures of Supergirl comics, um, and I can neither confirm nor deny. Uh, <laughs> but if we do more, she's she's a character in the next uh, the next overarching story. The next, it, it like I have a thirteen chapter pitch for for season two, and and Rabia plays a part in it. Ooh, yes. Ooh, I think we would we would enjoy that. I think she's cool. I mean, I mean, she's uh, she's a different take on the computer hacker that isn't just like you know, girl with a dragon tattoo, um, <laughs> which I think for a lot of writers, like they they tend towards. They, they they tend towards super damaged hacker girl trope, um, and that's not her. She's pretty well adjusted, and she's just hyper smart and really good at what she does. She's so good that Vrile Dox, who is a living computer, knows who she is, and she can, <laughs> and she can counter what he can do, which they kind of did with um, Indigo and Win on the show. Um, like I was really worried those beats would be too similar, uh, but the way they did it versus how we did it was was different. I mean, our 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 goal is to boost up the show, right? Like our goal is to boost their narrative and make their and, and make their stories 
shine, you know, and, and so we, we are, we are complementary and additive, you know, I, th- my, my goal is to not take away from the show or diminish their, what they do. Like, I, I mean, obviously I love that show, like with all my heart, I love that show. And so I, I just want to tell great stories set within their world. Um, and that's, that, that has been the goal. That was always the goal. Just like back in 2008, like the goal was to tell great Supergirl stories within the DC world, um, the DCU proper, I guess you call it. Uh, th- that's just the goal is, is you always want to help build things like you don't want to tear stuff down. And so, um, the, I think, I think a lot of writers, uh, a lot of superhero writers these days, like find pleasure in the deconstruction and taking stuff apart and like examining it, but then they don't put it back. They just take stuff apart. And, and our goal with this book, and, and I understand it's like a side quest book, you know, like it's not necessary reading uh, for the show, but we want to build, we want to keep, keep building the world of the show, even if we're not an episode on TV. Well, speaking of which, the season two <laughs> premiere is called The Adventures of Supergirl. So uh, we were curious as to what you thought about that, because <laughs> Your your digital comic was adding to the show and kind of supporting the show, but then the show seemed to turn around and reference what you were doing, which we thought was really cool. So, what, hope, what were you what were your thoughts when you heard that title? It's a little cutthroat, but I was like, God, I hope that helps helps sell some trade paperbacks. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it's exciting. I I, I think. I, I haven't talked to them in in a few months because they've been sort of buckled down and and busy. Uh, but I, I, I have an idea of what the thrust of season two will be. So I, I think it's an interesting choice uh, and it's an exciting choice. And I, I kind of can't wait to see what it is and what it means. And obviously I'm excited for it. Like I, I, I want this show to be the biggest success possible, honestly. Like it, it I, I love the show. I love these characters. I love this version of Supergirl they've constructed. Like, a, a lot of care has gone into building sort of the best version of Supergirl they could build within the confines of television. Um, and so I, I want it to be as successful as possible. So if they want to reference us, I'm, I'm ecstatic, you know, but, but my job is, is to keep helping them build world build. We dug a little bit about the original characters from the, from the comics. Do you know, Maybe is there any possibility of us seeing some of them on the actual show? I think there's always a possibility that things from the comic <laughs> lead into the show. Um, I think, I hope they agree. Like I have a good relationship with that, with the creators of that show. So we'll see. Well, and that's Very kind cool. of, that's kind of uh, what happens with the nature of how comics and, and media sort of go hand in hand where you have, Jimmy Olsen, who was started on the Superman radio show, who then ended up being a, a bigger thing in the comics, and Harley Quinn yeah. was created on Batman the Animated Series and then became a big hit in the comics. So uh, I would love to see some of your characters that you created pop up in, in other interpretations. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I mean, I, I'd love to see Facet. I think she'd be great uh, visually uh, in an episode. I'd love to see Inspector Henderson that we did in in the... Um, back in the day and, and during New Krypton, I'd love for him to show up. I, I'd actually love to see uh, Thara Akvar uh, that we did back in the day show up. Um, I'd love to see Superwoman. I'd love with the cowl and the white cloak and everything. Like I'd yeah. love to see that version of Superwoman come up. But yeah, I mean, it, it, speaking of Jimmy Olsen, like it's so interesting how many things we get out of other media. Like 
the phrase up, up and away, the phrase truth, justice in the American way, kryptonite, um, you know, we got the sunstone crystals, that whole and uh, like methodology of how Kryptonians operate came from the Donner movies. Like we pull a lot from other, other media and then it, if it's good and successful, it will bounce back into the comics or bounce into future stuff. I mean, you never know when you create this stuff where it's going to turn up next. And that's kind of the exciting thing uh, of working in a shared environment, shared universe environment like this. And speaking of which, I would be kicking myself if I didn't ask you about the Bridwell Kryptonese, about the language <laughs> sure. that yeah, you yeah. inserted throughout the comics. Um, was, that, was that something that you uh, had to go find, or was it something you are aware of? Uh, I've been a Superman fan my whole life. Like, E. e. Nelson Bridwell was born uh, like 60 miles from my hometown. Wow. Um, I, I was pretty aware of of his contributions <laughs> contributions to the Superman mythos, uh, yeah. So he's uh, he's one of my one of my heroes. So the fact that he constructed an alphabet as as loosey goosey as that alphabet was, uh, I, I was very happy to resurrect that because I mean no one had used it in I don't know like thirty years or something. That was actually a great learning experience for me because I thought that <laughs> I thought that there was just the one Kryptonese, and to find out there were other variations, and even now with the uh, DCEU, um, you know, Man of Steel universe, there's there's kind of a new form of Kryptonian. So there's all these different versions, and they all have different alphabets, and that's kind yeah, of that's kind of fun. And I talked to, <laughs> I talked to Steve Orlando some when I was in San Diego, and, and he's writing Supergirl Rebirth, uh, and he's introducing Kryptonian grammar. Like he's he's trying to create a whole grammar system, but I think that's really cool, and 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 will make translating that stuff even more challenging. Um, oh, that's fun for you, Rebecca. Yeah, I'm I'm up for the challenge. <laughs> Bring it on. We need a pronunciation guide is what what really would help. That would, um, that would be awesome. Because spoken spoken Kryptonese is super rare. Like they've only done little phrases here and there. Oh yeah. I would love for them to try that on the show to actually speak, uh, some form of Kryptonese. But yeah, thank you for, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it and I'm glad you, uh, translated all that stuff. Like it, 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 it it's what I like about it is it's not necessary to do it because the, the artwork sells more or less sells what's happening. Uh, but if you want to sit down and, and make a codex, like you can do it. So I, I'm, I, I was just so excited with, I got the. I remember I was in Jeff's office and I was like, "Hey, what about like old school Kryptonian? What if it's like old English, and like, and like our villain who at that point didn't have a name? Like, what if the villain like starts speaking in, um, in in old English and Carl's like, I don't know what I don't know what the f you're talking about. <laughs> and and Jeff and I were having lunch and he's like, "That's cool, do that." I'm like, "Maybe I will." <laughs> And so I went home and and I pitched to my editor and she's like, "Go for it. If you can if you can figure out how to do it, go for it." So I wrote this very long letter to my letterer, um, Seda Timofante, and said, "Look, I know this is gonna be a pain in the ass to find. I'm really sorry. Like, you're gonna have to design this stuff, and and here's here's what I think it should look like." And I, I scanned a bunch of my old action comics to give her a good idea of it, and we were off to the races. So. I definitely think it adds to it, to the story and to the world because when we would come across certain things, it would be like, oh, that must be Kryptonian slang for something. And so we could kind of put the pieces together about the culture yeah. from the language. So that's that's a cool part of that. I tried to get more um, 
I tried to get a lot of cursing in there. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was really excited to use Grifing because that's a Legion curse word from Legion of Superheroes. Uh, and I got I, I got a couple things here here and there that are like it just like you know how in comic strips they curse and it's like a bunch of wingdings or whatever, right? Or just like <laughs> at sign, cash sign, percentage sign or whatever. When like Dagwood is getting chewed out by his boss or whatever. Um, so I wanted to do something similar, but using just Kryptonian. So if you're reading it, you can skim right over it and it just looks like it doesn't look like anything. But if you actually translate it, it's a word. Um, a stone heart is, is a very negative thing to call someone. Uh, grifing is basically, well, this is a PG cast, a PG, PG webcast. So I'm not going to say what grifing is. Like. <laughs> I, th- I think we, we got your mind. Um, I think we understand. If you've ever known someone whose English is their second language, like they, they will occasionally slip into their original language for certain phrases or things. And, and I, I love the idea of Kara, like knowing that she can't curse publicly. So she, <laughs> so she curses in Kryptonian. Like, I think that's funny. So that's, and that's a holdover from, you know, back in 2008, like we did that. Um, Jamal and I did that too. I just think it's part of her personality and part of her voice and part of part, one of the many things you can do in comics that you couldn't get away with on the show because comics, you know, like comics are a symbolic, uh, uh, art form, right? Like, so w- word balloons, you can read a word balloon, but, but, you know, spoken out loud, you'd have to figure out how to pronounce that stuff. And if you could, and like all this other stuff. So I just think visually it's really neat and it says something that you can't do in a live action medium. In terms of just overall Avengers of Supergirl stuff, what's, what's been the reaction from people that you meet or from fans who have read this comic? Like I know you recently went to San Diego comic-con what did you what what are, what are people telling you about the comic what what are their reactions and and how how has that been for you it's been good i mean people that have uh people that have read it seem to really enjoy it um which is always the goal um i get a lot of questions about you know like how much how much input did the show have and and do i talk to them a lot and and the answer is I, I pitched them a story and they said, sounds amazing, go for it. And I talked to them frequently through the writing of it uh, just because I wanted to be sure not to step on their step on their stuff. But all in all, I, and then the, the, the last question everyone always, everyone always asks is, will there be more? Um, are you going to do a season two comic? And the answer is stay tuned. Uh, I, I, I'm the trade paperback is coming. So I'm hopeful that, uh, that will be that will sell really well because I, I really think it will help. Um, it will help us in regards to doing a season two. So buy that trade paperback. Please pre-order that trade paperback because it, it is important if you want to read more of the stuff. Um, I have a story for season two. It is and much like I was just I, like at San Diego. Uh, I was describing it to Cat Stags and and I was like, okay, so you know how our first issue like opens with the flashback of here's Supergirl's uh, origin from the pilot, right? And she's like, yeah. And I said, so season two, we would start with the flashback is the back half of season one, explaining all the stuff that has happened up until up until then. And then, like, you you cut into the, the story that we're, we're telling. So you don't have to watch the show 
but we kind of catch you up as it goes, so you're, you at least know where where the character is in regards to her arc from the show, which I thought was cool. Like, I just think that's neat. Well, I think so that's like, really smart. So, like, that so is like smart. E- every trade paperback w- would start with a big flashback explaining what's happened on the show to some degree, and then catch you up as to where the season the season is starting. You know, if it's a season two, like if we're reflecting the world of season two, which is different from the world of season one or whatever. So I thought that was a neat thing. Uh, and then I pitched her the whole story and I told her the big cl- the climax, the chapter, what would be a ch- chapter 11 into chapter 12 climax. And she was drawing again. This is at the comic convention. So she was drawing and she looked up and she goes, really? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah. And they could not do that on the show at all. <laughs> and she's like, well, that's pretty neat. I hope you get to do that. And she said, I hope you, I hope I get to do covers. So I, I have a cool story for it. I have a fun story for it. Uh, please pre-order the trade paperback. It would be very helpful. Well, there you have it. That is, that's something practical that we, we can give our listeners information about. Uh, so thank you for uh, that. I, and and I, I want to say, like, speaking of your listeners, like, I appreciate everyone's support. Like, like this is a weird, strange project in that it's a digital book and then it was a physical book, uh, uh, like a printed comic. Um, and people have followed along and, and bought it either way. And, and I hope that people have discovered that, like, when you buy a physical copy, it reads totally different from the digital copy. Um, and artwork opens up and splash pages open up. Like we, we always knew we were going to be printed at some point, uh, but we anticipated it just being the trade paperback only. And so we planned for those splash pages and those spreads and things. And, and I don't think, and you don't get that in the digital version. You just get like the, the page swipes, you know? Um, so uh, hopefully people have discovered how, what, what a different experience, what a, what a, hopefully a fun experience it is to read it in printed form. Uh, and I think the trade, same deal with the trade. Like if you've been reading it digitally, the trade will be very different than if, uh, than, than if uh, different from your, your digital versions. I was just looking it up and it looks like the, um, this is what Amazon says that the trade is going to be coming out around September 27th. Yeah. It, I think it's in comic shops, September 21st, Wednesday. I have to look, but I think it's Wednesday, September 21st. And then it's in bookstores, the 27th. Cool. So if you want to pre-order, you should do that. The other crazy news is they're reissuing, uh, Mayan Jamal Eigel's original Supergirl run that month too. Oh, that's great. Uh, we're getting new trade paperbacks of Who is Superwoman, Friends and Fugitives, and Bizarro Girl, uh, and those will be available on September seventh. So pre-order those too. Um, if you're so, if you're a Supergirl fan, you have four new trade paperbacks out in the month of September, which is crazy. That's that, pretty exciting. That's a lot of good Sterling Gates Supergirl goodness. And just it's, in time. It's all just excellent. in time for the premiere. Just in time for the season premiere. No, <laughs> that, <laughs> to tide you over <laughs> that times uh, times so nicely um uh, but but i i mean like I, I i know we're trying to wrap up or you're trying to wrap me up uh but i have questions for you like like are, are there things that you thought were more successful or the things you didn't like as much i mean i listen to the show obviously but um but now is your time to to vent or cheer <laughs> or you know what 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 did you like about this series versus the show um, and do you think like comics, this show as a comic was a successful translation of the, of the, the tone and the scope of the show? 
Morgan, do you want to go first? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I loved, I loved it. I thought that it worked really well with the tone of the show. I think the tone of the show is very upbeat and very hopeful. And I thought that the comic was the same way. And I think one of my favorite things about the comic was the, um, the way that you sort of delved into um, the relationship, the sister relationship between uh, Kara and Alex. I really love yeah. that. I love that on the show. But if I'm going to get more of that, I love that as well. Um, maybe if we if we get a next season, fingers crossed. I'd like to see some of the uh, some more of the um, the supporting characters, and um, we got a little bit of Win, and we got a little bit of Cat um, here and there, and James. But I'd love to see the supporting characters uh, pop up more often. Me too. Uh, I, I get. I, I mean, I just read you in the pitch. Like I had stuff for James, and I had stuff for Win, but. Mm-hmm. In the Supergirl of it all, I, I had to I had to make cuts because we're ten page chapters. So every ten pages, it, it's it's a different type of writing than a monthly comic because it, you have more room in a monthly comic and you have you can pace things differently in a monthly comic. With this, you've got ten page chapters where you've got to get somebody back into the story, move the story along. Give us a nice, some nice action. Give us some nice emotion, and then end on a cliffhanger in ten pages. Um, and as a result, I felt like any time we cut away from Supergirl, each chapter, all I wanted was to get back to Supergirl. You know, like mm-hmm. like there, there's a scene where um, the DEO agents are watching Vrial Docs, right? Like uh, on their screens or whatever, and he's being creepy and and yeah. <laughs> And it was great because it was two pages, and then you you were right back with Supergirl and Alex. Um, but but that means I I can only do like two page cutaways where we go to other characters before. And this is just for me. For me, I, I want to get back to Supergirl because I only have X number of pages in this digital book. And so when it came to Win or James, like I needed I needed Kara to be with them either with them or uh, them to be doing something really important. And eventually, like, you just sort of run out of room. Like, I actually think that the last 10 pages, I, I could have done a really great 20 pages with, with those last 10. Like, I didn't get, my, I didn't get myself enough room to, to do more with those last 10 pages. Like, I should have given that last big fight 20 pages. And that's, and that's hindsight. But... Um, but as a result, like I never wanted to cut away. I, I thought it was a big ask to ask readers for chapter 12 to follow Alex for eight pages. But I also really felt like emotionally we'd been on the hook for this uh, climactic confrontation with her and Rampage. Like I had to give it the emotional space. And so I, giving it eight pages was kind of the most I felt like I could give it. And I also knew it was going to be a print issue, so I needed to get Supergirl and Facet up there first. So that's why if you open up issue six, there's there's a page of buildup with Facet, and then their big battle starts in a big, nice big splash page. And then we go to Alex for eight pages, and it wraps up that hopefully emotional confrontation with Rampage, which, by the way, like uh, I'm not sure – I don't know if you caught this, but like – at the top of this story, Supergirl says, like, I'm not here to fight, like, uh, uh, Kryptonians, you know, we, we, we try to start with compassion and we try to, we try to always, we try to negotiate instead of just getting a no fist fight. And Alex comes in with a giant rifle and she's like, let's get in a fist fight. (laughs) 
And so by the end of the story, they swap, right? So like the way Alex stops Rampage is by showing compassion and apologizing for her sins and explaining what, what happens and diffusing the situation uh, emotionally. And the way Supergirl wins is Alex shoots Facet with a big rifle and then Supergirl punches her. Um, <laughs> and that, like, I, I always wanted to, to make that the, that the flip by the end is, is like Alex asking what would Supergirl do and that being the way that she stops Rampage hmm. and Supergirl doing what would Alex do? She'd punch her in the face and that's how, <laughs> and that's how she stops Facet. But that's the thing is like this story was so focused on Alex and Supergirl Again, anytime we cut away, I wanted to go right back to Supergirl. So, or or in, to some degree, Alex. But that relationship was the was the cornerstone of this story, and it's my favorite relationship on the show. Like, I think it's the most valuable valuable story engine that they have uh, right now because that like every scene they're in together is just a pleasure to watch. Um, and and writing the comic, every scene they're in together is fun to write and interesting to write, and you can throw different things at them, uh, and each each of them will react completely differently, um, and they each bring very different life. They grew up together, but they bring different life experiences to every encounter, uh, and I really appreciate that, especially because a lot of Alex's life has been in secret from Supergirl. Like she doesn't know what happened from essentially the time. Alex is in med school to the time she learned she's in the DEO. Like Alex was living a secret agent life. And so Supergirl's exploring that and, and wants to know what she was doing and what, uh, like what she's been hiding. I just realized uh, while you were talking that I had a quick question about, I guess sort of how the writing process goes with the comics and how the, the art comes into that. So I was just thinking when you were talking about that final fight with Facet, um, Rebecca can attest to this. One of the panels that I was obsessed with <laughs> was the panel. I have to ask about this, Rebecca. Was the panel where <laughs> Facet like falls is like falling to earth. And she just like the look on her face is just like, you've got to be kidding me. And it was just so funny. And I was wondering, is that something that like, do you get that specific when you're writing it? Are you like, uh, facet is like, are you serious? Or it, do, you, do you leave that up a little bit more toward the interpretation of the artist? <laughs> it's funny. Cause like, uh, the way it's described in the script is not at all how Emma drew that. So, um, I, I, I thought, and Emma, Emma is amazing. Like, I don't know if you've seen her other work. She does this really amazing web comic, uh, called break, uh, breakthroughs. Um, uh, she read the script and made that decision to draw facet facets reaction is that, which I totally love. Like I, it was not what I had in mind. It's not what was in the script. She made that decision and it, it really works and it's really great. Uh, I, I thought Facet would have one panel of fear on her face as shock and surprise happens <laughs> and then be pissed as she's falling. I, um, but like Emma drew her falling like a, like a, a, a diver almost just like yeah. with arms at her side. And, and like in, in my description, I had her flail a little bit before, before like cannonballing into the ground. Um, but no, I'm glad you like, I, like, I, I love that beat. I mean, that was, that was all Emma. Um, but for the most part, I, I mean, I'm pretty specific in scripts. Like, uh, some people are, are loose, but it's tough cause for some of the stuff we had an idea who was drawing it, but I was writing it blind. Mm -hmm. And when you write something blind, 
I tend to go over specific so that whomever is assigned the script, um, and you can kind of tailor once you know who's assigned the script, but when you're writing blind, like you want to be as specific as possible so that anyone can pick it up and, and understand what you're after. But I mean, different artists added, added different things throughout. And, and I I think the, the work was better for it. Um, you know, Ben, Bengal, uh, who is just an incredible artist, uh, drew that first issue, and and he added little little things here and there, uh, or or camera angles I never would have thought of. Or he also like uh, we were all learning about the digital format because the digital format is not a standard comics format. So we were all sort of making like Bengal I think was making it up as he was going. Um, just so that uh, when you read it as a printed comic, the pan it wouldn't, the pages would read right. Like sometimes when you do the di- digital books, like, eh, eh, like um, God, I don't know what's a good example. Like you'll open a digital first book and it's clear that it's top half, bottom half, and then you look at the next page and it's top half, bottom half, and there's a gutter line between both pages, like straight across both pages. Um, so you're not sure how to read it. I don't know if you've experienced that at all. Yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen a few like that. But Bengal did such interesting layouts, like that was never a concern. And so when you read it as a print copy, there's never a risk of cutting across uh, cutting across a page, which I, I, is really cool. So I don't know, yeah, different people added different little tidbits here and there. Um, but for the most part, the scripts were were pretty straightforward. I think that was one of the things that we we all really enjoyed while we were reading it was all the different artists on the uh, mm-hmm. on the book. And they were all so good, and they all brought something so different. I think to uh, to each chapter. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw some some people complaining online that like, oh, it's a different artist, everything feels so uneven. But I'm like, well, it's, it's episode to episode. Like, I, I'm very intrigued to see what it's going to read like as a trade paperback, honestly. Um, but the idea is like, okay, Bengal's three parter is one episode. Uh, John Boy and Pop Man did did two parts, and that's one episode. Emmanuel Lupicino did two parts, and that's one episode. Carmen Carnero did two parts, and that's one episode. Cat did a very special episode that's just a ten pager, and then Emma does the three parter at the end. So, and every every version, like every piece of that story, has a slightly different tone because I'm trying to match the artist. Uh, so, like. Bengal is a very um, energetic and um, you can see a lot of anime uh, and manga influence in his work. So I wanted it to be really up. That that whole story is really up. Whereas Cat has a really like photorealistic style um, and can, you know, it, it can get very dark. So I wrote a darker script for her with a lot of emotion to it, with a lot of like really hard emotional beats that you can hit on. So I mean, it, once you know who's drawing it, you can tailor tailor your scripts accordingly. Like, uh, and that was the challenge. But but in the beginning, we, we didn't know, and that was that was tough. To, it's always tough to write for someone you don't know, like whose work you're not sure of, or you, you're not sure what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. So you're just writing blind. And that's the fun of comics. <laughs> well, and that's, that that does sound like how television works. I mean, every episode's directed by someone new. Um, yeah. And it may be a, a rotation of the same people, but every episode, I mean, not every director can direct every episode of a television sh- show. So that makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah. And, and also like schedule was, was, is, will always be an issue. You know, like we, we had multiple artists so that we could be producing multiple stories at once. 
and, and I know there was a lot of talk, a lot of rumblings on the internet about like, oh, they don't have a Supergirl book. And it's like, yeah, we do. We're making it right now. Like, <laughs> give give it time. Give it time for that announcement to roll out. Like, you know, we've been working on it in one piece or another for months now, and we're just waiting for it to be announced so that we can start releasing them. So I, I you know, it was always the plan. It was literally the plan from day one because they called me after day one of shooting the pilot and asked if I wanted to do one. So, you know, so that was frustrating to not be able to say anything as people are, you know, kvetching online that they're, they're not publishing a super book. And it's like, I've written one, <laughs> I've written one. Hopefully you guys will see it soon. And then, and then here we are. Well, I, I really appreciated, even though, um, you know, there's no Kelly in this digital comic series. <laughs> a little disappointing. and I re- That was going to be my next question, if uh, we could get a Kelly spinoff I, book. I recently realized she's in four episodes of the show. And I was like, how is that even possible? But H- How did we, Kelly superfans, miss this? <laughs> I don't know. We need to do a Kelly rewatch. R.I.P. R.I.P. Kelly. Hashtag R.I.P. Kelly. Um, but Sterling, what I appreciated about this comic was that we got a variation on villains. It wasn't yeah. just Kryptonians all the time. We got introduced to super strong villains and then villains who could mess with your mind or mess with technology or who had a connection to Allura. Like all of those are great because I think, you know, sometimes watching the show, it's like, okay, we, we, we get the Kryptonian thing. <laughs> so it's nice to have a little variation in those things. So that was one of the things I really appreciated about the digital comic. I- and I think that'll open up more in season two. Like I think they'll, I, I, I think they'll be allowed, or, or or they'll be not allowed is the wrong word, but I, I think you will see more variation in villains. But thank you. That that's a very nice compliment. Like I, I, I actually wanted. To, there is there are a couple things that I still wanted wanted to do, but I'm not sure I'll be able to do. Like I wanted to do a gelatinous alien, like, mm. um, <laughs> like a humanoid jello mold. Um, <laughs> That, so it's like when she's fighting it and it's like the T-1000 and it's, and it's like gooey and creepy um, and it can reform around her. And like I wanted to do a villain like that. I wanted to do uh, an alien that was not humanoid uh, at all because I, I I mean it when you do actors, yeah, sure. we gotta Someone has to make this into a suit or into makeup. So it's going to be someone vaguely humanoid looking. So you can't do like multiple arms aliens or – uh, I don't know, like an octopus alien or something. Like you can't do that, but you could do that in a comic, pretty easy. Right. And, and so if we do more, uh, that uh, you might see some of that stuff sneak in. Because I, re- I really, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I can't tell you that. Um, there are <laughs> things, there are things that I really want to do. So it's like, so that volume one ends with I'm Supergirl. This is my life, and I love it. And then volume two opens with. Uh, this is my life and I completely hate it. And she's, you know, like (laughs) trapped inside this gelatinous monster or something like there's stuff you could do that would be different and, and variations on that you can do in a comic and draw that are a million times easier than, uh, than trying to get an actor into that. Yeah. Although, I mean, they did Grodd, they did Grodd and they did Killer Shark and like, it's, it's mind blowing to me what they've, what they've done, uh, on the flash so maybe you'll see you'll start to see more of those more of those variations uh, in the show. Well, that would be really cool. Well, we definitely don't want to take up too much of your time. So I, I think 
that's going to maybe do it for our post adventures cool. of Supergirl wrap up discussion with Mr. Sterling Gates. And thank, thank you. Thank you Sorry. so much for coming back and talking with us again about this because no, we thank really, you for we having really loved me. It. Thank you for all the support. I mean, y- you have been very, uh, very vocal with your support and I, we really appreciate it. Like everybody, you know, there's an email thread and a bunch of us, uh, talk about how, how you guys react to what we do. So, <laughs> well, that's really cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you, I, I always appreciate hearing your take and, and Carly, Carly always reads my mind and, <laughs> and predicts what's happening every single time. Well, that's Carly's superpower. I mean, we're uh, trying to keep it under wraps though. Yeah, right? Like maybe she's maybe she should be investigated by the DEO like <laughs> she seems to she seems to know things well ahead of time. Um but no, I'm very thankful that that you guys um did the show for our comic like it 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 was cool to listen to each week and I was I was looked forward to the next episode to hear what we did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think our listeners really liked it too. I heard from several people who were listening to our episodes who really got excited that there was a new comic out. So I think it kind of worked in tandem that yeah, I was kind of energized by people reading it and listening to us and then we would be able to discuss it. I had a lot of fun discussing this comic with Morgan sure. and Carly. So it was a good time all around. I mean, I, I just like, we, we really poured our everything into this series. Um, and and I really wanted it to be a great story set within that world that that hopefully fans of the show discover because that's the goal was was building building on the world of the show and and doing stuff that you can't do on the show or or giving through Supergirl's internal monologue information you wouldn't get with the show you know like um, and by the way like people that's the other thing people ask me is like how much of that stuff is canon did she go to Stanhope College like and yeah like I asked them and that's what they told me. <laughs> Um, her apartment number, her apartment's four. Like I, w- I, I went on set, uh, a few months ago and, and Ali Adler was there. I was like, Hey, what's Supergirl's apartment number? And she goes, Oh, four a. And I'm like, have we ever seen that apartment number? Like on screen? She goes, no, it's like, it's not on the door. And I said, okay, I'm going to put that in the comic. And I said, what's the name of her building? And she goes, I don't know. What do you want the name to be? And I said, well, in the comic, she lives in Hammersmith tower. And she's like, great. Make it Hammersmith tower in the comic. And so, so Supergirl lives in Hammersmith Tower, apartment 4A. Well, uh, I actually need to share something with you really quickly because we had a friend, Katrina Dennis, who went out to, I think it was Paley Fest, to ask some questions to the cast cool. on, our, on our behalf. And she asked Melissa Benoist about uh, your set visit and kind of about the adventures of Supergirl comic and she Melissa said something to the effect of how she could tell you were examining everything about the suit and everything on the set (laughs) so I I think it kind of was one of those things where they could pick up that you were studying what they were doing so I thought that was cool I mean I asked her a bunch of questions about the suit because I I, you know like how often are you standing with someone in their super suit you know like (laughs) yeah um but like I, because it, it, it comes in, it's in pieces. Like the cape hooks into this other piece that's underneath the the top, and like the uh, the skirt is multi layered. I mean, like I I had questions. I had a lot of questions. So so I talked to her and her her stunt double Shauna for a while just about like all the different like uh, like all the different not um, like how it's tailored because it's such an interesting thing to stand next to someone in their super suit and be like, wow, like that's awesome. Like, and it's built to fit you and only you. And, and what's this material? 
oh wow, why is that the material? Like, oh, there's inlays. Like you can't you can't tell like unless you look up close that that the whole thing is textured. Um, like there's nothing on that except for the belt. Like nothing and the the glyph. Like nothing. Uh, everything has texture. Nothing is smooth. And and you kind of can tell on camera because we live in an HD world. But like when you're real up close, like you know, you just want to look at it and, and examine it. And I was like, is, are the boots real leather? Because I, I always wondered that. <laughs> um, and and it was just cool. It was a really neat experience. I was really grateful to be there. And and they they were nothing but nice to me. And and Allie Adler took me around and introduced me to a lot of people. Um, so are the boots real leather? Uh, you'll have to find out it's for me to know and you to find out uh but yeah it was a great experience and and i it it was actually on my birthday um that's awesome that's a great birthday present right right so that's my every year i take a picture on my birthday and and so i i can chart where i am in the year or whatever so that's the picture of me and melissa benoist that i think i posted is 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 my birthday picture from that year um but it was good. Like I was supposed to be there an hour, and I think I was on set like eight hours. Um, That's awesome. Well, I, I I was worried I was going to wear out my welcome, <laughs> <laughs> like um, the weirdo comic guy that just hangs around. So, uh, but mostly I just wanted to see how it's made. Like like I was there the day they were doing pyrotechnic uh, pyrotechnic stunts and a big fight scene, and it had stunt doubles and wire wire harness hookups, and it was that fight with Maxima from from yeah. the next to last episode. And so like, like Supergirl flips Maxima onto the DEO table and sparks explode out. Like I was there for shooting all of that. Um, you know, it was just, I, I just, once I was there, I kind of like, it was like, I, I just want to watch how you guys make this stuff. Cause it's such a different world from, I, I can type like, you know, Supergirl flips Maxima next panel. She slams her down on the table, sparks and flames explode out in all directions. Like that's easy to type, but like watching, a crew move around to get, you know, 10 shots. I think, I think they did 11 setups in like an hour or something stupid. Like, like watching that was fascinating. It's so unlike my world. So I, I was happy to be there and, and she was, Melissa was incredibly nice and kind and she, uh, had, you know, virtually no reason to be, I was a total stranger. So <laughs> she, she was very, very nice to me. So yeah, uh, it was it was cool. It was very cool to meet her and and be on set. Well, that's really great to hear. Um, I'm glad you had that experience because you deserve it, if I may mm. say so. <laughs> I don't know about that, but thanks. If anybody should be going to the Supergirl set to study Melissa Benoist's super suit, it should be Sterling Gates. Uh, it should be Jamal Eichel, really. But yeah. <laughs> well, well, um, that's an awesome, awesome story. Well, um, how can our listeners, if they don't already know, how can they find you on the internet? Uh, I'm on Twitter, um, twitter.com slash Sterling Gates, all one word. I have a website, sterlinggates.com. Uh, you can Google me. I think I still have a Facebook fan page that I never look at, so probably Twitter is the best. I, I think I have a Tumblr too, sterlinggates.tumblr.com, but it's, it is woefully uh, under-managed. Um, mostly Twitter is the easiest way to get a hold of me. 
Well, cool. Well, as far as keeping up with us, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so definitely check out our playlist there. And you can also listen to us on Google Play. Uh, We're available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. Uh, We are also a part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, and even the DC movies, it's getting longer every time. Yeah, it's getting so long. Uh, Subscribe to our DC TV Podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV Podcast on Twitter and like DC TV Podcast on Facebook. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And you can find me on Twitter as well, um, at Mojotastic, that's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. I'm also uh, writing for BuddyTV.com. This summer I'm covering Pretty Little Liars, but pretty soon I will have some Comic-Con coverage coming up, so check that out. Well, awesome. Well, even though these, and I want to say the first 13 chapters, because I'm hoping that there will be more, but even though these 13 chapters are finished, you can always reread and keep going on the adventures of Supergirl. Supergirl.